Welcome to the Cybersecurity TLDR Show, where we save you time by providing you the too-long-didn't-read summary of cybersecurity topics and news. You can find us on YouTube with video and all the popular podcasting platforms for audio on the go. Now let's get over to your host, John Good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm your host, John Good, and this is your Threat Intel Briefing for the week of May 7th, 2023 through May 13th, 2023. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. That way, YouTube will keep pushing out new content to you as it's released. If you're listening on a podcasting platform, because we are available on all the popular podcasting platforms, make sure to subscribe on there and leave us a review as well. Also, make sure to check out the description because there is a link to the show notes where you can see all the articles that we talk about as well as some other articles that we didn't necessarily have time for, but they were important events that happened throughout the week. So make sure to check out that as well. If you're looking for any kind of cybersecurity training or career services, also make sure you check out careertrainingpro.com because a lot of that information and services and training are on there as well. So without any further delay, we're gonna go ahead and jump right into the first article. First article, top US cyber official warns AI may be the most powerful weapon of our time. Director of the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, Jen Easterly, so CISA, warned that artificial intelligence may be both the most powerful capability of our time and the most powerful weapon of our time. Imagine a world, and this is a quote, imagine a world in the not too distant future where a how-to guides, AI-generated imagery, auto-generated shopping lists are available for terrorists and for criminals providing the capability to develop things like cyber weapons, chemical weapons, bioweapons. Easterly said Friday at a security summit at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, and that's not even the worst case scenario. The warning came uh, warning from one of the top cybersecurity officials in the Biden administration comes a day after the White House held meet with top AI companies over concerns about the seemingly rapid adoption of large language models. Administration announced that those companies agreed to open up their models to red teaming at the the hacker conference DEFCON later this year. Easterly warned that AI companies should break that that decades-long vicious cycle of technological innovation at the expense of security. So what does that mean, this whole vicious cycle? Well, typically what happens with a lot of technology is that it is created, right, in the sense of I'm going to create something to make life better, to solve an issue, whatever, right? Like, so there's some kind of motive there, but they don't think about security a lot of times. So what happens is we create this awesome product, this awesome service, and then all of a sudden we start finding all these vulnerabilities and major issues after everybody started to adopt it, right? Think about the internet. If you're not familiar with how that evolution of the internet has come about, well, the internet hasn't been around forever, right? The internet actually kind of developed out of a research project and it was used for academic and government uh, basically uses. And if if you don't know too much about that, definitely check out things like the Network Plus from CompTIA because they go a lot into that just as far as, you know, your history of networks and how things have operated. But so it wasn't developed for the general user necessarily, right? And it's kind of evolved that way, right? Because you're watching this video on YouTube through the internet, right? And so it, it really happens like that. But like with the internet, we found that there's a ton of vulnerabilities, right? Because again, 
when the internet was developed, it wasn't developed with the thought of how we're using it today, right? So security was not at the forefront of their minds when they were creating this technology and developing it. Same kind of way with this, right? Artificial intelligence is created because it's awesome. It can help people as far as, you know, reducing the workload on kind of medial tasks or things like that that can be automated, created with artificial intelligence, maybe generating scripts or generating content or something, I don't know, right? But how can it also be abused, right? Because typically the abuse of a technology, again, is not the first thing that you think of, right? You kind of get blinded by the, the benefit of what you're creating. And then the abuse comes from people that are like, well, I just want to see how far I can push this, right? I want to test it and see what these people didn't think of when they were creating it. So totally, especially as more companies start to utilize artificial intelligence and use it for critical things, you know, that becomes more and more of a concern, right? If we're starting to use it to control power plants and things like that, that are critical to our survival, you know, how does that come into play? What kind of additional controls or testing do we have to put in place to make sure that stuff is super secure and that it's not going to cause issues or it wasn't compromised when it was providing us information and giving us bad information, right? So all that stuff matters. If you haven't used things like ChatGPT, definitely go check it out, go use it because it will kind of, you know, blow your mind. But again, it's early stages of technology like this, at least at this scale, at this level. And so we're just gonna see how things evolve over time and how things really change, right? So keep that in mind. Next article, prosecution of former Uber security chief carries warnings for cyber leaders. Joseph Sullivan, the former secure, uh, chief security officer at Uber Technologies, was sentenced to three years probation by a federal court in San Francisco over criminal obstruction charges relating to a 2016 data breach at the ride-hailing giant. Have you heard about this? District Judge William Orrick de delivered the sentence Thursday, a long-awaited verdict in a case that has divided opinion within the cybersecurity industry. Judge Oreck said that because of Mr. Sullivan's character, the unusual nature of the case, and that it was the first of its kind, it shown Mr. Sullivan leniency, but he said that the chief information security officers shouldn't expect that in the future cases. And this is a quote, if there are more, people should expect to spend time in custody regardless of anything, and I hope everyone here recognizes that, he said. In addition to probation, Mr. Sullivan must also serve 200 hours of community service and pay a fine of $50,000 personally, right? So if you haven't heard about this, let's talk about why this is such a big deal and kind of why Sullivan was on trial and how this thing came to be, right? Because that's really important to understand that background and that context. So a jury found Mr. Sullivan, a formal federal prosecutor, guilty of criminal obstruction charges in October, stemming from a failure to report the 2016 cyber intrusion at Uber to federal authorities. Hackers approached Uber that year while it was uh, subject to a federal uh, trade commission investigation. They said they had obtained around 57 million records, some of which contained sensitive customer data through a vulnerability in its technology and demanded payment. Basically, these attackers, they were able to infiltrate the network and gain access to sensitive data, 
right? That's basically what happened. Then Sullivan and his team, or you know, basically at his lead, right, decided that they were going to pay these attackers in the form of a bug bounty. Which, if you don't know what a bug bounty is, it's basically a program that companies offer where they can kind of crowdsource their uh, their vulnerability program, right? So finding vulnerabilities that exist in their software, in their applications, whatever, right? And so typically, companies will pay attackers. The more severe the bounty or the more severe the finding, the more that they typically pay, right? That That is basically a bug bounty in a nutshell. So what they did was they paid $100,000 to those attackers, to those people, right? Mr. Sullivan was fired by Uber in 2017 after Dara uh, Kroshani, not sure, I am not sure if that's how you say it, took over as chief executive and ordered an investigation into the incident. He was charged by federal prosecutors in 2020 Uber didn't respond to requests for comment. Prosecutors allege that the payment was an attempt by Mr. Sullivan to cover up the incident and that he took steps to prevent it from being reported to the FTC. The government recommended a sentence of 15 months in prison. Okay, so that's what happened, right? Uber gets hacked legitimately, right? Like they got hacked by somebody. And then the team, the security team, Sullivan at the lead, decided they were going to pay it out as a bug bounty and try to disguise it or really, you know, yeah, really disguise it and hide it up, cover it up, right, as a bug bounty finding. So that's a huge deal, right? It's a huge concern when any leader is going to lead that charge, do something unethical, right? Like that's, that's a real, real concern in any organization, right? Now, specifically, why this is even bigger of a deal is because Uber, Well, now, right, Uber is a publicly traded company, right? So when you have a publicly traded company, it's even more of an issue. Why is that? Well, because publicly traded companies, you have all of these different owners, these shareholders, right, who buy stock in a specific company. And so they own a piece of the company, right? Whether that is a very small piece or a very large piece, right? It doesn't matter because ultimately you own a piece of that company. So like in the United States, when it's a publicly traded company, there are all kinds of additional, um, basically uh, pieces of scrutiny that are put on to publicly traded companies because you have to report to your owners, right? To your shareholders, as far as things that are concerning, things that have happened. And basically it's just another, another level of transparency. That doesn't always happen with privately held companies, right? If an individual, so for instance, Twitter, right? Elon Musk owns Twitter. So he is not under the same obligations with Twitter to disclose certain things. If uh, Twitter was still a publicly traded company, it would be, right? Like Tesla. Tesla is, right? Uh, They're a publicly traded company. But because Elon Musk bought Twitter completely and outright, took it off the market, you know, that's not the case. But, you know, we've talked about this particular issue before. And this is, you know, this this should be a wake-up call to any leaders, right? Because I think what's happened, you know, in the past too, because there hasn't been a lot of really accountability on a lot of breaches, right? 
typically it's kind of shrugged off or maybe the company will take it out on the CISO, right? Chief Information Security Officer. But this is a very high profile charge, right? Like this is the first time we're seeing this uh, really massively go after a CISO and really punish him. And we've even, we even have a judge saying that simply because this is the first time this is happening, we're gonna go lenient and it's not gonna happen next time. So, you know, that any kind of case like this, if you're in security, cybersecurity, you should be really trying to make sure that you cross all your T's and dot your I's and make sure that you're not doing, you know, bad things, right? And if somebody is, disclose that, document it, let your board know, let your leaders know, whatever, right? Like, don't try to cover it up because I think that the punishments and the fines and everything like that, it's just gonna get worse and worse. There's gonna be way more scrutiny in 10 years than there is now, right? Like, I can guarantee that. We're already seeing that kind of ramp up. We saw that with financials, with things like SOX and we're, uh, Sarbanes-Oxley, and we're gonna see that more with cybersecurity in general. Right, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to continue to see how this plays out and see if uh, what happens the next time somebody does it, right? History always repeats itself, so don't kid yourself, right? Somebody's gonna do it, for sure. All right, next article. Merck insurer ordered to pay $1.5 billion and not pet ya uh, attack court rules. What's been herated as a major win for insurance policy holders, a New Jersey appellate court upheld a January 2022 ruling in favor of Merck and ordered its insurance carrier to help cover losses the uh, pharmaceutical giant suffered during the 2017 global NotPetya cyber attack. The uh, Superior Court of New Jersey appellate division judge upheld an earlier judgment against Ace American Insurance finding the insurers didn't demonstrate the cyber attack was hostile or warlike as required by the exclusion clauses of Merck's policy. So basically, the insurance provider tried to get out of paying what, uh, paying what the policy said that they should pay, right? The case stemmed from the fallout suffered by Merck during the not pet yet incident. The lawsuit shows that within 90 seconds of the initial infection, approximately 10,000 machines in Merck's global network were infected, with about 20,000 more machines infected within five minutes in total, more than 40,000 machines in the pharmaceutical giant's network were affected. That's a lot and that's very quick, right? Very quick infection. The company suffered an estimated $1.4 billion in losses tied to production disruptions, manufacturing outages, third-party cyber firm fees, and the cost to replace each impacted system. So yeah, if you're not familiar with insurance policies in general, Basically, in your policy, you're going to have exclusions or basically things that nullify your agreement and your policy, right? Things that you have to do, things you can't do, like all that kind of stuff, right? Basically, that's what it is. And so that's kind of what happened in this case where the insurance company, you know, had these certain exclusions within that policy and they were trying to leverage those so they didn't have to pay out this huge uh, th this huge payout, right? This huge insurance payout. And with cyber insurance especially, you know, it's a pretty interesting environment because for one, you know, I think there's still this battle of insurers uh, actually being 
being able to really identify risk and things that they should have in policies and should not have in policies and should allow and shouldn't allow, how much they should cover, you know, when they should cover it, when they shouldn't cover, whatever, right? All this stuff. And so it's this constant battle with that because we've also seen companies who are defaulting to going to get insurance policies, right? So instead of you know, investing all this money and creating security controls, they're just going out and getting a policy to cover a lot of this stuff. And you know, like in this case, $1.4 billion. That's not chump change, right? Like that's a lot of money. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see insurance companies who just get hammered by the courts and they don't get the courts to side, side with them, right? Because typically insurance companies spend a ton of time and resources on actually trying to make sure that their policies are bulletproof so they are really covering themselves, right? Ultimately, what they wanna do is they don't want you to ever have issues, right? They want you to just have a squeaky clean environment and then they just collect your premium, right? Like that is literally how insurance companies make their money and profit because you don't have any incidents, but they're collecting premiums. So like your car insurance, it's the same way, right? Every month they're or every six months or whatever, they're collecting your premium. You're not having accidents. So they're just having a good old time collecting all your money, right? And profiting, winning. So yeah, I mean, again, a big payout. Uh, that is the biggest that I've seen, I believe. I don't think I've seen anything anywhere close to that kind of payout. So definitely, um, yeah, definitely, definitely nice for them, right? So next article, DEF CON is set thousands of hackers loose on LLMs. We kind of already mentioned this a little bit earlier, but this year's DEF CON AI Village has invited hackers to show up, dive in, and find bugs and biases, biases and large language models, LLMs, built by OpenAI, Google, Anthro, uh, Anthrop Anthropic, and others. The collaborative event, which AI Village organizers describe as the largest red teaming exercise ever for any group of AI models, will host thousands of people, including hundreds of students from overlooked institutions and communities, all of whom will be tasked with finding flaws in LLMs that power today's chatbots and generative AI. DEFCON is set to run August 10th through the 13th uh, this year in Las Vegas. So if you're not familiar with what DEFCON is, DEFCON is this major hacker conference. And basically we have Black Hat, Black Hat and we have DEFCON. They run basically back-to-back -back weekends and uh, weeks in Las Vegas. And like, these are the major ones, right? Like Black Hat, they have some other events and stuff going on throughout the world and throughout the year. But like the big one, right, is typically in uh, Vegas. And then DEF CON is in Vegas as well. Black Hat, Black Hat tends to be a little bit more business oriented, leader oriented. And then DEF CON is more of the, you know, hacker, hacking village kind of setup. But, you know, they serve similar purposes, a little bit different audiences typically. But still really cool conventions. Definitely recommend going to them if you've never been. But... Typically with DEF CON, they have these villages. So think of it basically as like hands-on experiences, right? So you can go pick locks or in this case, um, try to break uh, the language models and you know, really cool experience. You get to test some cool stuff. 
think last year I saw a video of um, like doing some stuff against a Tesla or something, right? Like they have car hacking and all kinds of stuff like that. So really, really cool. But, um, you know, I think this is kind of the start of really trying to dive into the language models and trying to find bugs that are gonna exist, right? It's so early on that we, we've seen a lot of things come up around the language models as far as finding bugs, trying to break them really, or get them to spit out information they're not supposed to. And this is kind of just another step, but really trying to leverage the community and people that are really interested in having a shot and just go at going at these um, these language models, right? So uh, pretty cool. It'll be interesting to see the videos and things that come out of this if they cover anything about this. I'm sure, there'll be a couple talks or something that we'll see about this kind of stuff. So really cool to keep your eyes on that for sure. So uh, right now we're going to take a quick pause just to talk about a sponsor that helps us create a lot of this content as far as supporting us, so we can do a lot of this stuff. So let's take a break here. Talk about them, and then we'll be back on the other side. Are you tired of overpaying for cybersecurity training? Are you interested in training from industry professionals? Are you looking for cybersecurity career services? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then CyberTrainingPro.com is the perfect platform for you. At CyberTrainingPro, we're a one-stop shop for all your cybersecurity needs. We can train you for industry certifications or just improve your overall knowledge and skills in a certain area. Unlike other platforms, we don't stop there. We can also coach you throughout your career, practice your interview skills, or create a high-performing resume with our career services. CyberTrainingPro.com isn't just another training platform. Students get exclusive access to our private community where we go beyond training courses to provide additional content, tips and tricks, and engagement with both other students and staff. Look, by the year 2025, there could be as many as 3.5 million job openings in cybersecurity. With so much opportunity, why not maximize your career potential with a platform that cares about your success? Come join us at cybertrainingpro.com and start building your future today. All right, make sure to check out cybertrainingpro.com and check out all the training and career services because that will definitely help you in your career, either if you're just looking to get started and break into the industry, or if you're already in the industry and you're trying to advance your career and get to one of those lucrative positions that you really want in your career. So definitely a good platform and highly recommend it. So next article, Western Digital confirms customers' data stolen by hackers in March breach. Have you heard about Western Digital being hacked? Digital storage giant Western Digital confirmed that an unauthorized third party gained access to its systems, stole personal information belonging to the company's online store customers. This information included customer names, billing and shipping addresses, email addresses, and telephone numbers, the San Jose-based company said in a disclosure last week. In addition, the database contained an encrypted format, uh, hashed and salted passwords, and partial credit card numbers. We'll be communicating directly with impacted customers, they said. Development comes a little over a month after Western Digital divulged a network security incident on March 26, 2023, prompting the company to take its cloud services offline. Subsequent report from TechCrunch last month revealed that the threat actors behind the attack are allegedly in possession of around 10 terabytes of data and were negotiating with Western Digital for a ransom of a minimum of eight figures to avoid leaking the information. While the identity of the extortionists were no, uh, was unknown at the time, Alf V, aka Black Cat, uh, Black Cat ransomware actors have take, uh, since taken credit for the theft 
issuing an ultimatum on April 18th, 2023 to make the payment or risk the release of important documents and priceless artifacts. So with this, really just trying to let people know if you shopped with Western Digital and your information might've been compromised, right? It might've been part of this. So definitely important to know, change your passwords. Um, maybe, you know, watch your credit cards, maybe cancel your credit card that you used on there and change it, especially if you had it stored, just so you don't have any issues, right? Typically when a company gets breached, a lot of times they'll give you credit monitoring and stuff like that, but you know, be careful, right? Watch your stuff and uh, yeah. But also too, you know, from a company standpoint, how do you respond when you get breached, right? We talk about this a lot, but companies get breached. Some handle the announcements or the disclosure a lot better than others. Some are just terrible at it, right? Some of them are just like, they try to hide it up for years and years, especially when they're like public companies, you know, Uber, right? <laughs> There's another example of this from this show, right? Uh, you know, but you have to be really, uh, a lot of these companies have to be better at how they go about disclosing incidents. Um, and, you know, yeah, <laughs> don't know what else to say about it, right? Really important to, uh, to be better about it. Next article, leak of Intel boot guard keys could have security repercussions for years. While Intel is still investigating the incident, security industry is bracing itself for years of potential firmware insecurity if the keys indeed were exposed. Potential leak from the uh, MSI gaming of signing keys for an important security feature in Intel-based firmware could cast a shadow on firmware security for years to come and leave devices that use the keys highly vulnerable to cyber attacks, security experts say. Intel is actively investigating an alleged leak of Intel boot guard uh, private keys for 116 MSI products, the company told, told Dark Reading. The investigation comes after a claim by Alex uh, Mastrosov, CEO of firmware supply chain security platform Binary, that leaked source code from a March 2023 cyber attack on MSI, includes this data as well as image signing private keys for 57 MSI products. So if you don't know, right, uh, basically with keys, right, so typically what you have is you have a private key and you have a public key. And that private key is something that you really have to protect because that is ultimately you know, the most important part of the equation. Typically with public keys, you know, those can go in a lot of different places, but private keys are very, very sensitive because that is the ultimate protection of whatever you're signing. Now, let's talk about this Intel boot guard just so you're kind of aware of what that is. But it says Intel boot guard is a hardware-based security technology aimed to protect computers against executing tampered with non-genuine unified extensible firmware interface, UFI firmware, which could, hap uh, which could happen in case possible attacker has bypassed protection against modification of BIOS. So basically what happens with firmware on systems and if you've ever installed Windows 11, you might've seen this, right? So with Windows 11, they are starting to require um, basically boot protection, right? So you need uh, a TPI chip, trusted platform chip, and basically that allows encryption on the device. So for instance, even if you created a Windows 11 uh, virtual machine, 
you might have been asked to create an encryption password. And that's because it forces encryption of that disk drive, right? And so what we see a lot of times with hardware in today's world is that it is signed, right? In some way, there is some kind of signature, certificate, whatever, right? Key to unlock that, right? And so if you're able to bypass that, or if you know the key, then you can start creating firmware and other things that are signed, right? Like legitimately they're signed by whatever that key was. And so everything is trusted, right? Because the system understands that that private key is the trust certificate or is the trusted private key. And so it just goes along with whatever it's doing, right? That's really the issue because it's not so much, you know, a private key was taken, even though that is an issue, but it's because the system trusts that private key, right? And so everything else is built on that trust of that private key. That's basically the idea. So a lot of times when hardware, when there's issues with it or security concerns, keys are leaked, whatever, it's a huge deal for a while, right? Because everything that was signed with that key now is going to have an issue, right? Going to have a vulnerability in that sense. You know, if it's legitimate and if they are, in fact, the actual keys. So I don't know if we're going to be told for sure <laughs> if it was, uh, if it's accurate, right? If it really is actual keys and everything, but I hope so, you know, but it, it is going to cause some heartache for companies or people that have those kind of products that really want it to remain secure, right? So very, very important. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this week. That's going to be our last article. Again, I'm your host, John Good. This is your Threat Intel Briefing for the week of May 7th, 2023 through May 13th, 2023. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. If you're listening on a podcasting platform, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. And also make sure to check out cybertrainingpro.com for all your cybersecurity training and career services, mock interviews. If you want career coaching, if you want help writing your resume, if you just want some feedback on your resume, we can do all that on there as well. And with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. And I'll see you next week.